Hello and welcome to Pause Pop, positively pop culture, where we talk about things we love enthusiastically and without guilt. I'm KW Taylor. And I'm Carrie Gessner. And today we'll be talking about the TV shows Bunheads and The Quest, as well as some music we have been digging lately. Yes. So, yes. Yeah. <laughs> so Bunheads is a show yes. that is maybe a decade old by now, and I watched it when yes. it came out. Mm-hmm. It was delightful. But how did you find it? How did you get into it? So I have been re-watching Gilmore Girls, which is created and run by Amy Sherman Palladino, and she she's done several shows over the years, but her three sort of big shows were Gilmore Girls, Bunheads, and The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, which is currently on. Bunheads, though, only lasted one season, and the other two have gone on a lot longer than that. And this was always sort of a a cult classic among Amy Sherman Palladino fans. And it was the one I hadn't seen. And the world is on fire, in case no one has noticed. And I wanted something very wholesome, very sunny, literally sunny, and silly and fun with very, very, very low stakes (laughs) to watch. (laughs) And I noticed that it was on uh, Hulu. And so I decided, all right, let me go ahead and give this a shot. Nice. So yeah, I did not watch this when it was on. It was on from 2012 to 2013. Um, There's only 18 episodes, which is, you know, actually pretty decent for a one season show. It's not Mm -hmm. nothing. You you still get a good sense of plot and character. So I feel like if that was on today, it would only get like a 13 episode or maybe even only a 10 episode season. So to have 18 episodes, even though it ended a little bit faster than it should have is still pretty good. Yeah. So I also was a little bit like on the fence about the subject matter because it's in the world of ballet, which I did do ballet when I was little. But I also feel like sometimes I can get a little, I don't know, I like dance as a visual medium. But it's also not my super favorite at the same time. Okay. Yeah. But I was surprised at how much I got sort of re into the idea of ballet and even to a lesser extent tap and modern dance and stuff just as a spectator and remembering what it was like to be in it very amateurly (laughs) as a a kid. Yeah. That's really cool though. Yeah. So basically this was on, it was on what was then called ABC family, but it's now called freeform. And the, the premise also is a little bit like, I didn't really know the premise other than it being in ballet going into it. And I was surprised at how moving and kind of poignant the premise is. And I don't know how much of the premise you remember, but... Not a lot. (laughs) Not a lot. Okay, this woman, Michelle Sims, had been a ballerina when she... And the term bunhead is a slang for ballerina because they wear these very distinctive buns when they're rehearsing and stuff. (laughs) But she had been a ballerina, but she also, through a series of like, I don't know random life choices and also she's very impetuous like extremely like she does things on a whim she winds up when we meet her at the beginning of the series as a las vegas showgirl okay and this is not exactly where she wanted to end up or thought she would end (laughs) up so she's not super super happy with her life and michelle is played by sutton foster who is amazing and wonderful and Mm -hmm. is currently on broadway in the music man So she's just like, ugh, everything's stupid. There's this guy, though, Hubble, who's played by Alan Ruck, veteran character actor Alan Ruck, who is currently on Succession as the, as 
Khan, the least successful <laughs> sibling, the oldest sibling who has a very messed up life. And also people may remember him from uh, Spin City or Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Anyway, Hubble is really, really into going to these Las Vegas shows. And he's very wealthy. And he is, he starts to become an admirer of several of the showgirls, but especially Michelle. And whenever he's in town, he takes her to dinner. And they're not really dating per se, but it's kind of like he's just not in a super creepy way, her number one fan. And one night she decides to go ahead and go to dinner with him. And it gets a little more romantic. And she starts to really think, oh, well, you know, he is a really nice guy. I should give him a chance. He's always giving me gifts and stuff and whatever. And they end up getting married. And he's like, I'm going to save you from this life of the Vegas Strip and show you my hometown, which is this little town in California. And his mother runs a ballet studio in their backyard. <laughs> and it just is this very like, like idyllic location. And because he's very wealthy and the house is really big and it's just a more interesting life. And she's kind of thrown into this and is like, I'm not sure how to navigate this and what to do and whatever. But he's very like, it's going to be great and you can do whatever you want. I'm just rescuing you basically. And then on the night of their like wedding reception, he is in a car accident and gets killed. Oh my goodness. I do remember and, that now that you are yeah. And so Michelle is like, we were married for literally a day. I don't know if I belong here, whatever, but I, you know, set my life on fire in Vegas and I don't have anything to go back to. What do I do? Yeah. And so her new mother-in-law, Fanny, who's played by Kelly Bishop, who is best known as Emily Gilmore on The Gilmore Girls, <laughs> or uh, she was Baby's mom in Dancing, Dirty Dancing. She originated wow. one of the roles in A Chorus Line on Broadway. Anyway, she she's legit like a veteran actress, but also she had been a real Broadway dancer herself. I did not know that. Yes, yes. In fact, there's a picture on the piano of Fanny as a dancer in the 70s. And that's really Kelly Bishop in A Chorus Line. So oh, wow, nice. Yeah, yeah. So Fanny's kind of like, uh, well, you know, we're family at this point, And you're a dancer. So I think you should come teach for me on occasion or sub for me at least. But you know, you Owen Hubble left the house to Michelle, not his mother. Okay. So Michelle now owns the dance studio, technically the house, and all this land. And so, you know, she feels obligated to at least figure out what to do with all of this. And so Fanny and Michelle are kind of thrown in together and have to decide, you know, like what to, <laughs> what to do and how to, how to be. And they, the thing that's really refreshing is that even though they do butt heads a little bit and have some conflict, they start to get really along really well pretty quickly. So it's this very sweet friendship. Uh, Michelle meets like, a lot of the townsfolk and um, makes good friends there. And then the other part of the story, it is very much about Michelle and Fanny, but it's also about these four ballerinas in the ballet school. Boo, played by Caitlin Jen Jenkins, is kind of the shyer one, and she doesn't, she doubts her own talent a little bit. And she's a little bit of the audience insert. I think she's the one we're supposed to identify with. There's Sasha, played by Julia Goldani Tellis, who is the very, very, very talented one who gets a little bit stuck on her own talent sometimes. So she's a little bit uh, egotistical at, at 
moments, but we find that that's because of a very bad home life. And then Ginny Thompson, played by Bailey Buntain, who viewers may recognize as being Imogene on The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, is kind of, the, she's the short one, she's plucky, she's a little bit feisty. <laughs> and then Mel Siegel, played by Emma Dumont, is a little bit not sure if she's really that into ballet anymore. And she's a little bit drifty and starts to discover other things she might be into toward the end of the season. She gets really into roller derby, which is kind of random. <laughs> and there's a lot of fun recurring characters too. But basically, it's like, if you've ever wanted to totally change your life, and then it goes in directions you never thought it would, this is very relatable. I was surprised that the the setup is as sad as it is, because mm -hmm. that is extremely sad. But you know, it's kind of necessary because I think if Michelle had had Hubble to kind of lean on as a crutch, she might not have understood what she really, really wanted out of life. Right. And she does form these really amazing bonds with Fanny and these girls who really end up needing her, not just as a teacher, but as a mentor and a friend. And so it's really sweet. And there are a lot of scenes of really good ballet and modern dance and, um, for, again, Amy Sherman Palladino fans, there's a ton of other cameos by other people from Gilmore Girls and things. Liza Weil plays Millie Stone, who's like this local investor. And Sean Gunn, who played Kirk on Gilmore Girls, is a barista in this. And just a bunch of other people that I won't even bother naming. But it has that same extremely fast, very witty, funny, punchy dialogue with a lot of allusions and references to things the way that all of her other series do. So it's really, it's very heartwarming. It's very sweet. Other than the setup, there is not much that's truly tragic. So you can safely get through that first episode and know that it's the most, most of the rest of it is very, very low stakes and very uh, heartwarming and funny. Very, very funny. Mm -hmm. And yeah, and if you like to see little pieces of both ballet, but also musical theater segments, <laughs> that's all there. So yeah, and there's just like, just a lot of really fun, weird characters. There's a, a woman, um, let's see, oh, Stacy Oristano plays Truly Stone, who is this woman who runs a local boutique and becomes friends with Michelle. And she is very quirky and weird. <laughs> And um, the local hangout is this thing called the Oyster Bar, where Boo works there as a waitress, but also the the owner is this guy named Rico, played by Greg Henry, who's this like really old surfer. And it just has that, <laughs> like, this feels like a small town in California. It feels very much like a place where old hippies go to live <laughs> <out> their <laughs> golden years. And it yeah. is really neat to see Kelly Bishop play someone who is not all buttoned up and proper the way El Emily Gilmore is. So. Mm. So yeah, it's just really, it's just really fun and funny and I like it. And I've, as of this moment, as of recording, I've watched 17 of the 18 episodes. Okay. I cannot quite bring myself to watch the finale because I, <laughs> then it's going to be over. It's over, so. yeah. Oh, yeah. I hate when that, well, I hate when it happens, but I also, it means you really enjoyed the show and it's, and it means a lot to you. So yeah. I hope eventually you can watch the finale. <laughs> I will. I and I know there's, there's fanfic out there, so. <laughs> but yeah. Cool. I'm, I'm really glad that you found this and you like it so much. You know what? I really enjoyed it when it was out and mm -hmm. I might have to go back and rewatch an episode every once in a while. Yeah. It sounds really cute. And like, just, 
enjoyable. Yeah. It's very fluffy. The the plots are so like I don't know, based on very small things like, oh, no, one of the girls has an audition for a play. Oh, how's it going to go? You know, or or Michelle is moving into the guest house on her property and it's full of like there's an opossum that she wakes up to one morning or, you know, or or there's one where Fanny has been dating this guy off and on for years and he can't commit. And, you know, just like little silly things. So it's not all that crazy. But yeah, and oh, the only th- thing that is a little bit more real is that this is set in a fictional town called Paradise, but there is a real Paradise, California, and it was actually destroyed by wildfires a few years ago. Oh. And there is an episode about the California wildfires, which gets a little too real, but it, you know, it's not very realistically done. So mm-hmm. yeah, but it's still very, very cute. Yeah, I need more cute shows in my life. <laughs> There you go. Well, is the show you've been watching, is The Quest actually kind of cute? Yes, it's so cute. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Okay. So you are sort of familiar with the premise because Mm -hmm. this is actually a reboot of a show that was out in 2014 Mm -hmm. that we both watched. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And I think it was on ABC. Yes. And that one was an adult version. So you had adult competitors immersed in this fantasy world and Mm -hmm. in this update which is now on disney plus you have eight teenagers Mm -hmm. which i think makes it a little bit cuter (laughs) 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 because one thing i noticed i mean it has been a long time since i watched the original but i remember there being some like rivalries and not everyone liked each other and it was very competitive and this one is more cooperative Mm -hmm. so they took eight teenagers mm-hmm. and dropped them into this immersive fantasy setting, the kingdom of Everrealm. And it's more story-driven than the last one. Mm-hmm. So it there are a lot of actually scripted scenes. And it opens with one. And there's a battle, and King Magnus of Sanctum falls in the battle. And he gives his mythical divine crown to a foot soldier named Mila, who is amazing. I love her. (laughs) And she hightails it back to Sanctum, where his his adult children are waiting, as well as his brother, King Silas, and their court mage, Dravis. So just quickly, Emily Gately plays Mila, Brayden de la Garza plays Emmett, Prince Emmett, Raquel Jean-Louis plays Princess Adeline, Elliot Ross plays Prince Cedric. Oh, Kerwin Thomas plays King Silas. And Harry Aspinwall plays Dravis, the mage. So you've got a castle and you've got this group of cast members set up who know the story and they are following all the beats and stuff. And then you drop these kids in. It's not improv in the sense of comedic improv like Murderville was. It's it's much more serious, mm-hmm. but the actors do sort of play off what the teenagers are talking about and doing. Mm-hmm. But it's very much driven by the kids. Mm-hmm. The the kind of big MacGuffin is they need to go find these gems to put in the divine crown, and then 
that way they can beat the big bad guy who is a dark sorceress named Tavora and her dark allegiance. <laughs> and they want to <laughs> conquer the kingdom, basically. Mm-hmm. And this crown, if they if they get all the gems in place, it will help defeat Tavora. And then they've got some quests toward the end where they have to get like a magical scepter and a magical sword and a magical torch. So they're getting like all these things in order to defeat Tavora. And they're also along the way competing to be the one true hero who is who gets to wield the crown at the end and defeat Tavora. But even though they are competing for the one true hero, like they are all doing it together. It's it is more much more cooperative than the last one and they all get to participate in the final battle and stuff like that. But, you know, it's like it's just so fun like i was watching (laughs) i was watching the first episode and i was just like smiling the whole time because i would have eaten this up if i were you know 16 and someone just Mm -hmm. dropped me into a larping world you know yeah (laughs) and they've got they've got little challenges every episode so so some are like this is the gem of strength and you have to defeat this like serpent bad guy to to take the gem from him Mm -hmm. and the challenge is like they each have this like wooden channel above them and they have to hold out the end of it like with their arms straight above their head Mm. and more and more rocks drop into the channel so yeah to whoever stays up the longest and gets all like eight rocks or something gets to win the gem Mm -hmm. and there's one where they're like standing on these little tree trunk thingies and there's a spinning tree (laughs) with branches and they have to like dodge like jump over them and jump under them and stuff but stay on the the tree trunk Mm -hmm. so they've got physical challenges like that they've got challenges where they have to work together and it's all in the name of the story Mm -hmm. so like there's one where they have to put together this pyramid thing which if they get it together, then Dravis can charge up the top of it and it'll become like a, a big, what's that called? Oh, like a big shield for the kingdom, you know? Mm-hmm. So they have to get all the rocks in the right place and they have to work together to do that. And sometimes they work together really well and sometimes they work together really badly. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, they're, they're not really tempers, but, you know, people get upset because... Because, you know, they weren't being listened to or, like, they just did something really badly. And it's just really kind of nice to see them talking through things and being like, okay, how do we not have that happen next time? Like, how do we get better? You know, and who's going to lead us this time and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And I just, I don't know. It's really adorable. (laughs) Aww. And I had a lot of fun with it. And I enjoyed that. It was much more story-driven than the last one. And also the practical effects are really cool because you've got these kids there and they have to believe it. I mean, they know that it's fake, but they want to believe it. And so, like, the costumes are really cool. The The people, they have to get the gems off, like trolls and and this weird snake dude. Like, they've got great makeup and stuff like that. And... Like when they put the gems in the crown, the crown lights up and Mila becomes an oracle and she kind of leads them through everything. And she's got this little 
fancy ball that lights up and it's like silly stuff but i'm like oh if i saw that in person i would be like that is so cool (laughs) and they do have some cgi i think that gets put in later with like the magical effects but for the most part it's just i was really impressed with the practical effects so i thought that was really cool cool but i would really love for them to do another season (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so hopefully they will i don't know it's only eight episodes they're an hour long mm-hmm. and if listeners have any interest in fantasy i think this would totally be up your alley cool yeah well i really enjoyed the original series a lot i yes. thought it was really fun and unique and i have been meaning to check this out i w- see i kind of wish it was with adults again but mm. maybe that's just me being super old but <laughs> <laughs> but if it's got more of a if it's got more of a storyline with the script like that part sounds kind of cool so yeah I think, yeah i think that there are advantages to each like the adult one was cool because you know we're adults and we could potentially do that stuff or play in it, <laughs> you know like yeah. we're not totally off the table as contestants not that mm-hmm. we'd ever be on TV, but um, <laughs> it's it's a little bit more self-insert. And then for the kids, want for the teenagers, I keep calling them kids. They probably hate me because they're like, we're teenagers. <laughs> <laughs> for the teenagers one, I think, I just think they believed it more, you know, like there was more mm. buy-in there. Okay. And, and like I said, I think they, the tone was really different. It was less... Even though they are competing, it was less competitive and more like, okay, how, we have to we have to defeat Tavora together, but who's the best mm-hmm. person to do that? And how do we give them the tools and stuff like that? So I really yeah. thought all their friendships were really cute and they got along pretty well. And I just, I think I just really appreciated that mm-hmm. versus the more competitive nature of the adult version. Yeah. yeah. I feel that. Yeah. yeah. Well, if you cool. if you do watch it, let me know what you think. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Fun. Well, we have both been listening to some fun music lately. Summertime. Mm-hmm. Time for summer music. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What is it. your song of the summer? <laughs> oh, I don't know about one song, but... Oh, well, it's early on yet, so we don't know yeah. yet. Okay. Thank you. It's <laughs> a lot of pressure. Uh, <laughs> I I have been doing some of your rhizomatic music discovery thing Ooh, where I'm yeah. letting Amazon Music recommend me things. And the first artist I've been loving lately is Secret. I heard of her because she did a song with Griff, who I really like, mm-hmm. called Head on Fire. And then I realized she had a new album out, uh, came out on May 6th. And I've been listening to it like a lot. <laughs> <laughs> so the one song that i would pick from there i guess i would describe her music as like mostly pop maybe a little alt pop mm-hmm. but the one song i would pick from there is just the first track called it gets dark and i love i love it because it's fun and it's upbeat and it's a good opening track but the message is like she wants to get away but everyone's like you're crazy because you want to go to space and leave everything behind. But then she's like, it gets dark so I can see the stars. And a lot of times we think of like 
darkness as bad or scary or whatever, but the fact that it gets dark allows us to see the stars. And I just thought, I just thought that was a really cool image. And I liked it mm. a lot. Yeah. Another band that Amazon Music, this one they did recommend to me. And I was like, who are these people? I really like them. <laughs> but they're called the Aces. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I guess I would describe them as alt pop as well. And their album that I've been listening to is their album from 2018 called When My Heart Felt Volcanic. Mm-hmm. And again, I'm just going to say I like the first track a lot. It's called Volcanic Love. And I like all of them. But the reason I picked this one was it's got a really good intro hook. Mm-hmm. And every time it comes on, like I, I usually play stuff on shuffle mode. Mm-hmm. And every time it comes on, I just kind of stop. And I'm like, yeah, I like this. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good like grooving song so yeah yeah but that's that's what i've been listening to how about you cool yeah i've been trying to be this whole year i've been trying to be really really focusing on what is actually hitting the alternative airplay charts because my city no longer has its own alternative radio station so i can't Aww. rely on them anymore so i've been like deliberately trying to seek things out and through that i've discovered a lot of artists that i wouldn't necessarily have uh, stumbled upon on my own one of them is called cannons and they are from la uh, with a female lead singer named michelle joy and they do kind of synthwave dream pop electro pop and they've had this song called Bad Dream, which keeps charting and recharting and has been since last year. And it's just so ethereal and pretty and sad. And yeah, and I don't know, her voice is just really beautiful. And it's just kind of like down tempo, but also danceable, which sounds dumb. I mean, it's been like <laughs> submitted to the US dance charts, but not charted on it. So it's like, I don't know, I think people find it a little bit too almost post goth or something but it's really really pretty okay and i haven't really sought out other songs of theirs but i do like every time that comes up in my shuffle i'm like oh i really should find out more of their songs (laughs) because i think i would like them and they've got uh three albums out and that is from i think from fever dream which came the full album came out this spring uh, which i think is why bad dream keeps recharting so okay So that's kind of like the dreamy pop song. And then the weird one is this song called Chaise Long or Chase Lounge by by an English rock duo called Wet Leg, which is these two women, Rianne Teasdale and Hester Chambers. They're from the Isle of Wight, and they do like post-punk like post garage punk new wave it's very strange and this song is very silly and they <laughs> sing it in this like deadpan way and the the video has no images of chairs or chaise longs in them at all <laughs> it's them like dancing around a field in these weird prairie dresses and it's just <laughs> surreal and really funny and and, and edgy and strange. I don't know. Like, everybody who hears this song is, like, obsessed with it. So it kind of had <laughs> some TikTok virality there for a minute. It's really okay. fun. 
I think you should at least watch the video. They also like wear these big sunglasses and hats. So like one girl, you don't ever even see her face in the video. <laughs> anyway, so. It sounds great. Chez Long by Wet Leg. Yeah. Okay. And I don't know if their full album. Let's see. Yes, the album came out in April. So I think I need to listen to the whole album. Okay. But yeah, it's like a mix of indie rock, post-punk, alternative rock, kind of Brit pop. So they're very clearly influenced by like mid 80s. Brit pop, I think, ultimately. Okay. So, Interesting. <laughs> yes. So check that out. I will. And then the third one that I've been kind of intrigued by. So there was this song in 1987 by Midnight Oil called Beds Are Burning. And Midnight Oil are from Australia. And they're kind of like political punk. They They do a lot of songs about environmental themes. And also this particular song, Beds Are Burning, was in protest for the treatment of Aboriginal Australians. And a lot of it has to do with like, why have we taken their land? Why did we colonize them? Like, this is crummy. But the thing is, it's a really catchy <laughs> song. So I think, and it, it, like your song that you like, it's got a very distinctive opening hook that people like sample a lot. So, so the thing that's interesting is that this American band, AWOL Nation, put out a cover of it this late winter, early spring, uh, featuring Tim McElrath of Rise Against. And AWOL Nation is kind of like almost like synth dance, electro alternative, like they're kind of a fusion band, but their stuff is a lot more bouncy and, and things and not usually very controversial. So it's very weird that they released a cover of this. And they're American. They're also, I think, from LA or something. And this song is so distinctly specifically about Australian colonization. Hmm. So I thought it was a weird choice, but they really, they kill it. It's awesome. <laughs> they do a really good job. The only like... I don't know. It sounds enough like the original, but improves upon it in certain ways. And it's just really like it. it's a bop. It's a serious bop. <laughs> nice. So bed, Beds Are Burning by AWOL Nation. But the thing that I do find very strange, because AWOL Nation is, again, more of almost like a alternative dance group in some ways. The video is bizarre. The original video by Midnight Oil was the band playing in the australian outback like it was not subtle it was like yeah. this is what this song is about and here we are and it also i do think it has in addition to its message of anti-colonization and being in support of indigenous people it also does have an environmental message that not only did we colonize this land but we're also treating the land in a crummy way so you know, it can have a message about global warming and the the lyrics are about how can we sleep while our beds are burning. Okay. The time has come to make a change. So you can interpret it a couple of different ways. But AOL Nation's video is basically people in like astronaut suits walking <laughs> around a computer generated landscape with no discernible human people like you don't see anyone's face hmm. there's no images of actual nature or land and i don't know what that's supposed to mean yeah. yeah that's weird it makes it feel very divorced from its like thematic origin mm -hmm. which you know maybe there is a point there maybe there is something about 
we are starting to become so focused on technology that we're forgetting the earth and the planet and human beings and nature and, and, you know, that it's kind of like, we're becoming post human. And then maybe that's bad. But because the song is such a bop, I don't know that you're going to get that. It's too subtle. So that's my only objection to it. But it's also a really great cover. So I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. So yeah, check that out. But okay. Anyway, <laughs> put those songs on my list. I've I've got a couple of the videos pulled up already. Okay, cool. Yeah. Well, I will check out at least the Aces song. I think that sounds like it might be up my alley, especially if it's got a good hook to it. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Well, next week, we're going to be talking about the series Moon Knight and Obi-Wan Kenobi and the new Netflix movie Senior Year. Our theme music is by Joseph McDade. You can find me on Twitter at KWTaylorWriter. And me at Carrie Gessner. And you can find the show on Twitter at Pause Pop Podcast. If you want to email us, you can do that at PositivelyPopCulture at gmail.com. And you can also find our website at PositivelyPopCulture.com. And from there, you can find the link to the merch store. It is, I don't know, Father's Day is coming up or... <laughs> uh... <laughs> I think we might be past that once. <laughs> we might be past that. Well, I don't know. Fourth of July. Fourth of July (laughs) gift giving. There you go. (laughs) And if you're enjoying our witty banter, uh, rate and review the show wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. Stay healthy and safe. And join us next time for another episode of Pause Pop. Bye.